Hello, everyone. How are you doing? This is Aaron Maurer, and welcome to another edition of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. This episode, I get to speak with someone who I'm so blessed to call a friend uh, and a mentor. Uh, she is doing incredible work on the other side of the pond. Um, as she has a, a, a company called Autons where she's looking at learning space design and helping schools and businesses and anyone who is trying to figure out how to create an environment that's conducive to learning and collaboration, all those things that we're trying to figure out in schools and really in life. And so uh, Lena here has, at the time of this recording, the book that we're going to talk about was just getting ready to go live. It has since then been live, and the book is Planning Learning Space as a Practical Guide for Architects, Designers, and School Leaders. And so as we reference this book, I want you to know that the book is live. It is out. It's been out for several months, and it is an incredible read. So many powerful voices, including hers, as well as many others, that'll get you thinking about learning space design and really, really, really the importance of really being intentional about how we create these spaces. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. It's more relevant than ever as we think about the social-emotional learning needs of our students. We think about trying to create engagement. We think about trying to create safe spaces. We try to think about trying to create the conditions for people to be vulnerable in their learning and expression. Something that we often overlook is the actual design of the space itself. And so I hope you find this podcast as powerful and as helpful as I have. And let's dive into this action and this conversation. And you need to get her on your radar because the work that she's doing and her team is so profound and wonderful and incredible that you don't want to be missing out on the action. So here we go. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs. Talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello, everyone. How you doing? This is Aaron Maurer here, another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast, and super thrilled to have this next guest on the show. She is someone who has helped me tremendously through lots of just conversations, um, kind of across the pond, so to speak, as uh, she's you know literally on the other side of the world, and, and not only is she has a, a, a passion for education and, and a brilliant mind in terms of how to rethink learning spaces and what learning looks like and facilities and things like that, um, but she's also someone who's who's willing to help people out time and time again, and I'm, I'm lucky to be able to know that she has helped me quite a bit in my own journey in trying to learn some of these things, and so um, let's dive in, right, figure out who in the world it is that I'm talking to, um, so why don't you jump right in, introduce yourself, what you do, you do a ton of things. So, I mean, as I've said with some other guests, like that could be the podcast in and of itself. Uh, but just some context, because I'm, I'm going to assume that most people listening, at least to this podcast, probably aren't aware of you, but they're really going to want to be after this podcast. <laughs> what an introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, that's way too much. But how, uh, however, uh, hello, everyone. My name is Lena Gentbilang. I'm uh, based in Scandinavia. Um, I founded a consultancy called Artens uh, a while, like in 2005, actually, because I'm so interested in what you know, what learning could look like, and where we could take it, what school could be, what the experience for children could be, and how we can improve that in so many ways, 
given how, how the world is turning uh, these days. And uh, there's just so much great stuff that we can do that I'm super excited about. So, uh, so we do a whole bunch of things, as you mentioned. Um, we build dreams with people. So we meet up with school districts or teachers, schools, teams. It can be anything to, to really explore what the future of learning might look like. And, and put together, co-create those dreams of like, what do we want learning to look like where we are? Um, we're always so interested in finding out how can we empower people and how can we all be part of that change? And because like it's, all of us are needed in, in, in that change that I think is really necessary. Um, we also do a lot of professional development. We work a lot with project-based learning, design thinking um, and all of that. And then we help build schools, because if we're talking about a different future, a different learning philosophy, that learning is something different in the 21st century. Uh, we also need to have a good hard look at the facilities that that actually also shape what's going on inside schools. So it's both the, the, the school architecture, working closely with architects to bring out other kinds of buildings as a response to, to the future of learning. And also how we design um, learning environments inside the schools, our learning spaces. What do we? What are the skill sets we want to? We want to nurture here. How do we? How do we encourage what we're really looking for? So, and uh, something I really love is like working with uh, teachers in schools where there might not be any budget for it, and you think like there are no options to do anything, <laughs> but there always is. There always is. So I love yeah, that. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I know. So that was a very quick. No, no, yeah, yeah, and I think we can dive into some other layers of all that you do because I know that's the scratch in the surface. But I know I've been able to see some of your work. You've been able to share some of the designs and learning spaces that that you've been able to create. And I I know that it's a whole team, not just you, but um, but it, what I like what you said that that you build dreams because some of these learning spaces and these schools that you're designing and and really trying to rethink how school and learning can feel and the experience and actually connecting the environment, like actually with what the goals we're trying to achieve is simply incredible. And I'll make sure that I, that I, we link some pictures into the show notes so people can actually see the work that, that your company does. Cause it is phenomenal. And I guess what I, what I, what I want to bring to that is um, what is that process of, of, trying to think strategically of, of rethinking a learning space connected to learning, but also like avoiding, I'm going to call it the Pinterest, not that Pinterest is bad, but like, like, like the fluff stuff, you know, where it's cute, but it doesn't really actually enhance the learning. And I'm not trying to throw other things under the water or under the bus, so to speak with that. But I think that there's, it's hard, you know, as you're talking about, we have budgets of, of maybe very little money or people you know, aren't really experts in these fields, like they know something needs to, to, to shift in the school and in the classroom, but they don't know how to do it. Um, and your work is incredible what you've done. And then you see other places of people trying to do things and you know, it's just not there. And so what are some of those, maybe they're, maybe they're misconceptions or maybe there's some questions for like, like an educator or a school building that they can start to just wrap their head around, like how to think through re reinventing what that learning space could look like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks. Well, um, first of all, let me say that I always love when teachers begin to experiment. Uh, teachers are immensely creative, and Pinterest is such a good resource of getting ideas, and you can try things out. So please, like, do continue that. But I definitely understand the point you're trying to make, and it's it's. Um, so let me just say very clearly: learning space design is not about learning space design 
at all. It's not about furniture. It's not about like what you put in really. It it goes a lot deeper with us. It's it's about the whole like what are you communicating beneath everything you're trying you you like put into a space. Um, so we actually look at it like we have several perspectives on it. So sort of what is the narrative you're trying to create, and what are you communicating about what you believe to be true about learning? How do you want your students to feel when they enter the space? What do you want to enable in them or bring out, and what's the skill set you want to support here? So it's all of those questions. So it's never about the learning space design. The learning space design is a consequence and an answer to a lot of questions that you need to talk about. Everybody using the space, talk about what's valuable to you. Mm. What are those, like when you open the door, what do you ideally want to see happening in that space? How do children learn there? How do they collaborate? Who collaborates with whom? And, and what are those needs that the different students might have in that space? So it's talking through all of that and, and being curious as to, to what other people think and what other schools are doing and diving, it, like taking a deep dive and finding out what those basic assumptions around learning and well-being and supportive students and all their different needs, what that looks like. And, and, and then, you, then you want the space to, to communicate that. You want to have artifacts that tell that story. You want to have spaces that bring out those functions and activities that are really important. So it would typically be like we would need spaces to collaborate, spaces to ideate or to 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 showcase stuff. You need you want a school to also be a good social space mm, where yeah. students connect, where they make like both friendships and uh, and also can do something constructive if if like if there's a conflict or they're not friends anymore. And how do you see that whole space for as a life uh, life space for them while they're at the school? So really looking at it through the children's perspective and everything we know about how the brain is wired to learn. Yeah. So I think that's the key here. I like that. I like how you call it a, a life space. And I think that really resonates with, with a lot of things that schools are trying to figure out. I think we know for the longest time there's been such a, a heavy push on content, whether that's been a, a, a result of standardized testing or new standards, whatever those are, not to go down that pathway. But I think schools have really, for the longest time, been really trying to f figure out how to strengthen content. And I think a lot of people are, are, are there. They're not, not that they're perfect, but I think it, with this surge of so much focus on that, we've kind of left out this, this other realm. Um, you know, what we were talking about, like the social emotional um, needs of children, the, the, the just the mental space, or as, as we keep pushing these 21st century skills or universal constructs or the four C's, everybody calls them a little bit different, you know, but the idea of like critical thinking and creativity, what have we done? We know that that's important. I rarely do you find anybody that argues that, but then we start to look at like, what are the conditions within our building that actually support that? So everybody says those are important, but then you can walk into, you know, most schools and most classrooms still have desk and rows. Uh, most schools still have uh, a older system. Not that, it's not that there's not a time and place for that. I'm not I mean, because I know there are constraints. So I'm not trying to say if you have your desk and rows, you're a bad teacher. But as we know that these things are important. Like the modalities, the learning modalities haven't equipped the kids to be able to strengthen those skills either. And so, you know, so let's maybe look at that in a scenario. I'm, I'm a classroom teacher. I've got 30 kids. I got my desk in rows. I have zero money. <laughs> um, you know, I know I'm, I'm reaching out 
to you um, and I know that I want to do these things you know and and let's say we've already established a narrative we, we get our goal and our why to that like when you work with some of those schools like what are some of those barriers that that, that, that they get stuck on because I'm assuming you probably see patterns like yes I want to do this yes 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 here we go and now my feet are stuck in the quicksand so to speak and so like how do you work people through that or what are some of those first steps you know that with the people that don't have unlimited budgets and, and maybe don't have a whole entire building or, or, or district on board to do this work, but they know it's important. Yeah. So let me just start out by sharing a story from just a few days ago. I was running a workshop with 45 students um, and these were like across yeah, different ages and to, to begin to talk with them about what learning spaces mean to have them later on co-create something that they would find valuable um, I showed them a picture of uh, that exact classroom that you're talking about with desks in a row, 25 similar desks for 25 very different kids mm -hmm. with different dreams and life paths and everything. <laughs> anyway, I showed them this picture, not saying anything. So you can imagine and it was gray tables and white gray walls, all sorts of shades of gray. Um, <laughs> and uh, I asked them, and said, have a, have a look at this and tell me what you think is, you know, what will take place in this room or this space? What do you expect will take place here? And there's a whole lot of hands coming up. And, and uh, this one guy said, he was 11, 10. He said, that there, that looks like a really long day in school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like and that, then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly, right? It's the same thing when we go to, uh, you know, a conference or something. When we're, like, sat down like that, it's like, it's a long day and we don't know how to make time pass. And right. when do we, you know, when do we get to go? Yeah, exactly, things. exactly. Um, and that was everything they thought about. And he added that little guy, 10, 11 years old, he said, and you know what you need to do here? The whole idea is, like, you need to get to the back of that classroom and sit there so the teacher cannot see what you're doing. And then I'll pretend to, to, to be present and the teacher will pretend to teach me. And, you know, yeah, yeah. So it, it's all a game and we all know it and we laugh because it's so, you know, yeah, of it's, course we it's know so, it. It's so universal. We've all, we have all experienced exactly what that kid just expressed in our lives. Exactly. <laughs> so, so if we look at it, uh, uh, um, that's a model I'd like, you know, that I find really useful when I think about learning spaces. It's from organizational culture, Edgar Schein. Um, so when you analyze an organizational culture, or in this case, a learning culture, uh, you look at, it's sort of like a pyramid with three layers. And so the top layer is called artifacts. So that is everything that's physical that you can see and, and, and talking about what, that's, what does that tell you? So the artifacts here, like you have those 25, 30 desks, all the same, all facing the whiteboard, blackboard, smartboard, whatever you have. Um, so it tells you to sit down and by all means, like sit still, <laughs> don't move. Um, and um, and the next layer in this model is the middle one. It's, it's the norms or sort of how you're expected to do things. How do we behave here? What do we, you know, how, what do we do around here? And so that everything in that space tells you to also be quiet and only talk when asked and do the same thing as everybody else. The last layer, which is the really interesting bit, is it's all the basic assumptions that we have. So if these other two layers, if that's sort of, uh, if it really makes sense, like what truth would be behind that? 
in order for that to be a really good choice of of uh, learning space design. Then it would be that we all learn the same way and we need to learn the same things at the same time and that knowledge is sort of like it comes from the teacher or, you know, in any, like they're curating everything and, and you yeah, your need is the same as the next person's need at any given time. Um, and I've never met a single teacher who thinks about learning in this way at right. all. Right. So, so the really interesting thing is why do classrooms look the way they do? Um, so we need to really reconfigure that and have, you know, have a good long think about what, you know, what, how does learning happen? Learning is a social thing. It's, we need to be active. We need to be interacting. We need to be experimenting. If we can get our hands involved physically, like our fingers and playing and, and hit that sort of flow state, uh, we know that it's super, super effective and it's fun. And, uh, so you want to, you want to find that sort of state of like state of learning really. And, and how do you then create a, a, a space that communicates that, that actually help that, you know, help it along. And um, so you have those artifacts that tell you, we know we learn in different ways. We know we need to be physically active. We know we need to experiment. Uh, we know we need to be social and, and con collaborate. We also need that quiet downtime and reflect and have, like bring things together. Um, but it's definitely a lot more than sitting at a desk in a room where like collaboration needs, like it, it's designed for instruction and nothing else. So everything else is subordinate to instruction and we mm. you know, have to find ways to do that. But it's so super difficult if you've got a space like that where you cannot move around really. Yeah, yeah. And it, it reminds me a lot of, I mean, geez, uh, this student of mine, she's, she's in college now, I believe. And so it's been a while, but it's still, I, I share that because it still resonates in my head at least once a week. We're, we had a student voice advocacy group and we were doing lots of stuff looking for student bill of rights. And we're just doing lots of things um, in terms of what student voice means um, besides just like having a menu choice in a classroom. Um, and one of the things that she wrote in a, a student voice blog post was the idea of classrooms um, and the idea that if we're going to push and get kids ready for the quote unquote real world and these 21st century skills, then why do schools feel like pastel prisons? And the idea being that every classroom for her feels the same it's the same kind of color dusk and rose like everything it just school feels like a prison and that's always mm -hmm. resonated with me because i never thought of it that way until i really started to explore at that time my own building and i remember i went through and i took a video i came in on the weekend when i knew nobody was going to be there and i opened up the doors and i just walked the whole school and just with the camera captured everything made like a five minute video tour and then in one of our in-services i remember showing that going like here we are we claim we're project-based learning we claim we have authentic learning we claim we're creative and innovative and we have these amazing kids and yet look at how our building feels to a kid that walks through these doors or a parent Ooh. or a community member um and we started to have these conversations like, okay, so how do we make this building feel like what we think we're actually doing? And we were doing amazing things, but it's like, but we weren't actually showcasing the good stuff. You know, I think I, and so it comes back to a lot of what that kid was saying about it just feels like a long day. Cause that, that's a long day if you spend all day long in these rooms that all feel the same, look the same, mm. um, you know, it's, 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 it's not ideal. And so I think as I think about that, I think about what you were just saying um, in terms of that 
you know, thinking about the different levels and different kind of flows that we need to have in the classroom, where it's quiet or reflection or social. And I think back to what you said at the very beginning that when you think about learning space, it's actually not about the learning space, you know, or it's not about the furniture and the things like that. And so it got my brain thinking like something that I think is missing quite a bit is. Um, a teacher gets a grant or a school gets a grant, and the first thing they do is we got to spend this money. So they go right to the furniture, the, the yoga balls, the whatever it might be, because that's a very black and white type decision. But what's not coming along with that is the learning for the educator as well. Um, so I think about, so if I had an opportunity to redesign my classroom, and I know that these things are important, do I actually know how to teach it? Do I, do I know how to use the space? Um, and so some of that, I know, obviously, uh, I know you mentioned you do PD and stuff around that. So what, what are some of those things, um, you know, being that probably the, the listener here isn't going to be able to, to travel over and join one of your workshops, but as they're thinking about, you know, some tweaks to their learning space, what's some mm-hmm. of that, that learning that they need to consider as well? Because I think so many times the leaders or the administrators or even ourselves go, oh, I know how to do that. Like, it's, if, I, if, if I put the pieces in place, creativity is just naturally going to happen or critical thinking is just naturally going to happen and really looking through, like, how do we ensure that that's happening? So what's, mm, some, what's, yeah. some of that, what's some of that learning that you focus on as you're working with schools and designing these spaces but also supporting the, the, the learning as well? That, that's totally spot on because when we change the spaces, we, we, it, it's a whole different way of working. So we really need to think about how we develop the, you know, the student roles and our positions in the classroom, and also the teachers' roles. Uh, so from from maybe being, you know, you you instruct, you share your learning to to it's much more of a facilitator's role, and you curate learning on a whole different level. Um, and what you need to think about as well, it's not just your own little space, but maybe your colleague next door is also changing. Like, how do you, do you want to collaborate also across classrooms? Mm. Because if you if you if you look at a wider space, you you might not like you you just said that you know what's behind every door when you walk into many schools. Yeah. You have you open one door and you know what's behind the rest, and that's always like I've always been curious as why why. Why do we do it that way? Because what if we collaborate across more classrooms and then we can bring out a lot more sort of special features and opportunities and yeah. things that we can use in different ways. And uh, there's a lot of dead space in all schools, the hallways that are not being used really, um, that could also be rethought and reimagined so that you look at a I, you know, I always encourage people to, to take a step back and see a wider space and how you can create collaboration around that. So it's about finding that family of collaboration around a, a particular group of students. How big or small is that family? And then that's the space you, you look at and rethink your practice, your what kind of teacher do you want to be there? And like, there's only one way, and that's a hard way. Like, you have to go through it. You have to experiment, you and you like, uh, and trust me, you will get better and better <laughs> every day at it. Yeah. And it might feel really in the beginning. It's also about letting go of control a little bit and trust students and begin to build in that trust because you want them to become responsible leaders of their own learning. Um, you help them, you support them, of course, but they, you know, they want, you know, you you want to co-lead learning with them in a way. Um, so it's also a lot of conversations with the class, like what do we expect of each other? What can we do? What can we, you might have different zones where you do different things that help 
support students to actually focus on this or do that um, and not just because they're used to everything happening in, in that same space that, you know, that it's not very well equipped for creativity <laughs> right. or collaboration or right. whatever it is. <laughs> everything takes place there, right? Um, but then you can begin to, to shape different zones or elements in your space around different things that are important. But that also means that students will need to have sort of needs to be more free flowing and not everybody doing the same thing at the same time. Uh, um, so it's sort of uh, back to the prison analogy, really liberating learning here mm. and liberating people and their potential. But it is a, it is a journey that you go on, it, but it's super, like it's super interesting and empowering. Um, we, there was one particular student that comes to mind who uh, we, we helped change their school and the, it was actually the teachers doing the majority of the job, really reinventing their space. No money at all. It's actually like one thing you can do, take things out that doesn't cost anything. Create more space <laughs> and have those desks, like use them as group desks and you can have more kids around them. Um, and put some paper up on the wall, really cheap wrapping paper, like, you know, post-it wrapping paper things you yeah. can put up and you can write on it. It's like, how can you build in those little small communicators or small little things that'll help nudge and, and help students understand how they can use the space. But there's this kid, she, uh, she said to me that before they changed the space, everything felt really, it was tough being in school when you were collaborating. It was all always the same side buddy you were sitting next to. Um, you could never, you were never at liberty to, to get up and get, go somewhere else because then you're already disturbing everybody. Um, and she, she always tried to find a lot of excuses to shop her pencil or go to the bathroom or whatever she could do to sort of keep her mind awake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then <laughs> and they changed the space completely. So they, in this case, they decided to have what they call a message zone. It's actually where you get all the kids together for five, 10 minutes and hey, this is what's going on today and this is how it works. This is how you add things or you blah, 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 and then go out and work. So you can go to the quiet zones or the collaboration zones or sit in a window or a little nook or whatever it is. And you can move around when you need to. Uh, and you can co easily collaborate with different people and it's very easy for the, the teacher to start different kind of like stations or workshops or change activities because you the room is very equipped to work in many different ways. Anyway, what she said now, this student about the new space that she's been in for several years, what, was that it felt uh, uh, that, that she was trusted to make decisions about her learning, that she was able to move around and she was able to react to how she felt inside. So to, to if she was really tired, she could you know get up and sit in another place for a while and then come back. Um, and that it just felt, <laughs> she, she used the word very, were very child friendly and, <laughs> and <laughs> I think we'd want that in school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Right, right. Um, <laughs> so, so just a lot of wonderful things that she expressed about this new space. And the funny thing is, it's the same caring, wonderful teachers before and after who did all the best they could. But here, they really brought out a lot more in their students. And they showed them trust, and this, the, the students really responded to that. And what we can see in that school is that they're able to, uh, you know, children from with all sorts of challenges are able to also really feel part of the community in that classroom and able 
to work and focus and actually act on how they when when things get difficult for them that it, they can respond in a very positive constructive way because they have choice yeah so if we act go back to the four c's what you want in a space like you want you want the <laughs> you want collaboration and creativity and critical thinking communication and maybe you also you also want community mm. yeah and, and you yeah. want and you want compassion in a way you want a caring space that helps people care about each other also and you want choice that's also a c but it comes out differently but still you you'd you'd really want choice for students yeah. It's not just like go and sit there and you have you cannot do anything about you know how you feel. Yeah, I love that because I think what it does, you know, as we think about maybe there's eight C's now. Maybe we have, we, yeah. have, we have to double the at the, least seven, eight, maybe <laughs> yeah, eight. Yeah, <laughs> but you think you you think about that and really what it's doing it's it's allowing the kids to have some ownership in their in in how they're going to operate and learn for the day while also the teacher's still in control because I know as we keep trying to push for this, uh, this agency for kids to be in the driver's seat. Um, I still think sometimes they're kids and they don't always know necessarily how to navigate or what roads to take, but it doesn't mean that we can't start to instill some of these, these, these options of autonomy. Like I'm thinking of, uh, my daughter this morning, uh, the, the weather has become extremely cold today. It's dark. It's dreary. It's, it's kind of raining out. Like, she was moving at a sloth pace this morning. Like today, her learning modality is going to be different than how she was, who she normally is, where usually she's, she has a lot of energy, you know, to sit is, is asking a lot. Uh, but today might be a day where she might spend more time, you know, if she had that, that autonomy, you know, in some of these quiet zones. She just, she just wasn't feeling it today, you know, and, and that's okay. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's, it's not always like, oh, I'm Aaron and I'm always excited. Like I might have days where that's just not my cup of tea, <laughs> but being able to identify how we're feeling that day and ebb and flow. And, and that could easily change even in the moment of learning, which I think is, 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 yeah. so, is so exciting. And I think there's, those are things that anybody can, can start to think about how to infuse in their space. And, and all that doesn't require a penny. It, it sometimes, like, I think what you said, it's, it's, it's maybe removing some clutter. I'm working with some schools and uh, one particular is, is a media space. And we're trying to get kids excited to come into the space, trying to think about how do we infuse hands-on learning and connecting it to the standards in the classroom. So it doesn't look like glorified recess, but we're connecting to the learning mm -hmm. and, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to create these partnerships between the media center and the classroom teacher and all these things. And the very first thing we did was like, we're spending this, this first part of the school year just decluttering. Let's just get rid of all the things that we know there is no need for. Like, and that'll help us see the space in a different way because it's been a, it's a very traditional media center. Um, you know, it, and everybody sees it through one lens, you know, so we've gone mm. through and we've wiped out the VHS collection. Nobody watches VHS tapes. There's not even a v VCR <laughs> in the building. Um, you know, we got rid of the huge collection of encyclopedias from 1992, um, you know, and therefore we can also remove some of those bookshelf spaces. And now we've just opened up like 60 square feet of space that wasn't, yeah. that we didn't need. Like there's really nothing, we don't need that. Um, you know, unless you want to teach a lesson on how facts never, you know, may not always be facts as half the information of the encyclopedias probably aren't even uh, accurate today, but you know, we're yeah. starting there and now going, now what can we do? And so I think that's a key yeah. key tip as you were talking. I'm like, you know, sometimes we have to remove some stuff just to get a, a fresh perspective, you know, as, as we work through that. Um, exactly. 
Two last questions. And, uh, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Hmm? Jump in. No, go for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of things, I guess. Um, really like your point about children being different, but also that we feel different on different days. Yeah. And as a teacher, you are able to go to the staff room, get a cup of coffee, or, or you can do that. But True. as a kid, <laughs> that's why you spend your time. You cannot escape, and you cannot. You can definitely not quit your job and find another place to work. Yeah. So, I think it's so important to to give options and choices to kids, and then moving into those little things you can do. It's very very like free to move things out. That's not like you don't need them anymore or rethink those things. But I also like to to look at what kind of we call it micro tools can you use mm. things that are so cheap that it's accessible to to anybody. And depending on of course on on the age group of your children, there could be many many different ideas. Um, but just that's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful picture I have of, of a girl lying on a couch. It's a very cheap IKEA couch or something that somebody brought into to the classroom space. And she apparently needed some alone time or she would be in a quiet room. So she had put a cardboard box over her head, basically. Like, <laughs> so she created that. That's where I am. And I, I just, you know, I cannot see the rest of you, but I'm reading. Yeah. And, and like, what do we all do when we read? Reading is something that takes place in schools, too. What's the, do you want to sit at it, like, uh, on a, uh, yeah. at a desk right. and read? Kids like to lie down. Um, so just, like, cheap blankets where they can get comfy and yeah. create that super cozy atmosphere around a thing, like reading, so that you can feel, you know, you want to instill a lot of, of reading in them. So don't make it like, make it nice, make it cozy, make it something you enjoy. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think that's, you know, some of those easy things to, I say easy uh, because it doesn't require a book study or a PhD. Now I know nothing in education is ever truly easy, but I say easy in the sense of like, just, just personally reflect on, on how you, you being the, the adult operates. So I think about when I read, like, I have my recliner. I have a weighted blanket. I have a cup of coffee. Um, I like I like one little lamp on. I don't like it bright. I don't like TV. You know, and not that everybody is exactly that, but like I'm not sitting in a rigid chair that feels like I'm in church on a church pew. Like that's not ideal reading space. Like you know, like that's just not who I am. So I think just thinking through our own personal modalities, you know, and ladies, like you said, like we have the, the opportunity to, to, you know, walk down to a teacher lounge and, and, and grab a Pepsi or a Coke, whatever it is, yeah. or a cup of coffee. And sometimes it's not even for the product itself. It's just the fact that we're able to go move for, for two minutes down the hallway. Like that's yeah. actually more powerful than, you know, the, the caffeine intake that, yeah. that we all need to get through the day. That so short I, little brain break that when we get up and shift our, like the way we are in a space. Uh, so, yeah it's important to to provide those choices again and those options and and also allow kids to do that and 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 listen to what's you know what do they communicate when you look at them and a good starting point is always to see like what kind of conflicts come up every all the time is it really do, does it need to be a conflict yeah can we look at it in a different way do we need to have them sitting still at a like at the desk could they be elsewhere and and how could you know how can you help kids uh, really work with like both the like, be respectful of the whole class community of course but also that class community is respectful of them and and create zones where it's okay to be more loud and zones where it's like this is where we acquire it because it's a lot of, of, of people getting disturbed by other people's need for quiet 
yeah. <laughs> and and the opposite <laughs> way around as well. But uh, so it's it's also about talking through those different activities or you know what works well, and it's always a range of different things that work well, that will work well, and 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 then design for that so that yeah. it can all happen in a good way. Yeah, and I think even like you know that that example of, of that student with the cardboard box over her head, um, you know, don't be afraid to ask the kids and turn some of those challenges of your learning space, you know, into design thinking challenges. All right, guys, yeah. here's a challenge: we have 25 of you in a room. Um, we know how important reading time is. Um, what do we need in this space in order to allow all of you to be successful in reading? Like, what does that look like? And you know. Kids are, are, are pretty easily um, satisfied with things like cardboard and duct tape. I mean, I know we yeah. like to always use those materials as examples of getting started, but like it works like that work for that. You know, we don't need to buy a $700 like soundproof booth that allows us to monitor the kid no. to make sure, you know, like, like kids don't need that. I mean, you always like, like, like the old joke of, you know, uh, on a kid's birthday, you buy them a toy and they spend more time playing with the cardboard box and the toy itself. Like, <laughs> like they're easily entertained, but you could use that, you know, to once again, work on those four seats. Like let's go to this design thinking channel. Like, mm. what do you need? Like, let's create it. And yeah. now then let's use it and let's test it. And then when things do work and, and money does arise and you can start to think about, okay, how do we upgrade maybe some of these features, but you don't have yeah. to wait for that to happen. You can dive in right away with what you have. Exactly. And, in my opinion, uh, it's always those things that teachers and students create themselves that work. Like they work beautifully. That's the most awesome solutions because they have, you know, the ownership is there. So and everybody knows why it's there, and they've had the whole conversation. So it's really an integral part of the whole, you know, of the community and how we work around here. So it it it's it's magic sometimes, and yeah. so. It's never about the budgets. It's about the mindset and the thinking uh, and what you like bring in and what you invite. Yeah, I love it. You know, and I, and I want to segue over because I want to be um, respectful of your time here because I know that you're incredibly busy and I'm so thankful you've been able to, to squeeze some time to chat with me today. <laughs> but but you, all, you contributed. There's a new book coming out um, and I have it pre-ordered. I can't wait to get my hands on it and actually read it. But the book's called Planning Learning Spaces, a practical guide for architects, designers, and school leaders that at the time of this podcast, it'll either be released on the day of or maybe like the right for the day day before here on October 22nd is when it's going to be live um, available both in the U.S. and over in, in the U.K. I, I was I almost ordered it on the U.K. Uh, Amazon website. And I was like, oh, that might that shipping might be a little more expensive. I don't know if I get, if I get prime shipping, <laughs> so I had to make sure I jumped over. But um, talk a little bit about about that. There's I'll put a link in the show notes for people to check out this this book and more importantly the website because there is a brain trust of people um, that contributed to this book. Um, you being one of them, um, so so talk a little bit about that because I think this conversation is going to spur lots of ideas and this book might be a phenomenal starting point for people wanting to dive in and just trying to learn more about how do I do this? What's this look like? And, mm. and, and gaining some, some ideas. And I'm saying that based on the description and seeing the names of people that I, I highly respect and, and value. And I can't wait to read it myself. So talk a little bit about, 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 about the book and, and, and what you were able to contribute to it. Yes. Thanks. So the book is basically the brainchild of Murray Hudson and Terry White from, from the UK. Uh, and what they really wanted to create was a sort of um, 
you know, a guide to, to how we plan learning spaces for, for everybody interested in education. Because also when you, 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 if you get the chance to ever uh, rebuild or build a new school, where do you start? How do you do it? So it's about taking people through that process and providing ideas and those sort of next, what's the next step and what we see in the future, what's everything headed. So it's a, as you said, it's, it's such a great group of people that, that have come together around this book. Uh, so Ken Robinson wrote the, the foreword here and um, it's just, it has a whole ton of ideas and different, on different levels. And my particular contribution here is like, how do you go about creating those spaces or that new school or things you want to change? Um, and I truly believe it's something that has to, to be built from within. It's about the learning. It's about, it's about the people right there, like where the, it's very context-based. So it's the teachers, it's the students. That's where you need to have a conversation around learning and what you envisage in the future, like really start dreaming those dreams of, of what you want. And, and then have, and we do this with very big projects. We have whole faculties and lots and lots of students co-creating ideas for a new school or how they want their school changed. And we actually literally built salt houses <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and create those environments together. And it's such a fabulous way of discussing because it's not with words, it's about shaping and like things that actually emerge out of your hands in collaboration with your colleagues and with students that you see a whole new learning philosophy come to life yeah. and then people begin to dream about it and you begin to believe it you begin to understand it in, in a different way when you've had like when you get can get your sort of hands dirty and it, it's it becomes part of you otherwise it's so difficult to to make that transition from a very traditional space to something that might be very like innovative and, and, and work in a whole different way. You need to be part of that journey when you work in that environment and when you are a student in that environment. So it's, but mostly teachers really, it's about, it's actually about remodeling the way you think as well and your whole role as a teacher, what, what makes you a successful teacher. It's very different in a traditional environment than looking at a, an innovative environment. It's two different ways of working. So you need, to be part of that journey. And that's something I really try to stress in that book that we can never get too many people involved. It's about like really open the door, get everybody involved here because it's such an important conversation that you need to have before you start changing spaces or have architects from outside looking at your school and telling you what the future of learning should look like. It should come from within. Yeah. But like not, like not solely, like you also need in that process you need to inject a lot of inspiration about what's going on outside. So you need to really stir up thinking, but still it has to come from within. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, one of the key things there is, you know, for anyone listening is, is to just remember, like, we're all at our own point A trying to get to our, our next point B. Um, and this is not an overnight process. This is not something that you're going to be able to just read a couple articles and just make it happen and, and to give yourself permission to be okay with that and realize that it can start, you know, start with the, just a few steps forward and then bring in, you know, some of your colleagues that you trust with and do some things together and just keep building the momentum. But it doesn't have to be this like monumental shift that I think sometimes educators feel like, oh, here's a, here's an idea. 
and let's radically do it all over the weekend and have it ready for Monday. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like you have to make sure you're 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 supporting your own learning um, as well as your own confidence. If you don't have the confidence in yourself, um, it's not going to go very far, and you're not going to be able to turn around and get that confidence within the students as well. And so I think you know as 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 we listen to these things and we get excited, you know, just as you start to think about your narrative and and the why, what you want the space to look like. Like what's one one small thing you can start with? Like what's one thing you can t- yeah week and then once you get that then add one more and then when you kind of get some momentum yeah. going bring in a friend and you know and just let and don't, it <laughs> don't worry about being wrong here just like have a go at it yeah really. yeah and it's about turning learning like from looking at learning spaces as a solution and something that's there turning it like then you'd rather want to turn it into a tool yeah that, right. you, that, that you use that you continually like use in different ways i like that yeah i like that that's a, I, I like that idea. That makes a lot of sense in my head here. And so this has been phenomenal. I'm so excited. I hope people take a look, check out the book. Um, anyone that follows on the blog, they're probably going to be hearing lots about it once it arrives in my mailbox. I know I'm, I'm pretty excited to read about it, especially with the work that I'm doing with some schools. Um, if people want to learn more about you and the work that you're doing and just want to add you to their network of people that they should be following and just kind of following up on, because I think a lot of people are going to finish listening to this and going, oh my gosh, I I want to learn more. I, I need to know what's going on because I think it's going to be the start of a catalyst to, to some people thinking about like, hey, I can actually do this. Now, what that looks like, each to their own journey. But what, where can they go to find more about you, find some examples and, and all that good stuff? Mm. Yeah, we uh, we typically share a lot on our Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook site. Uh, the company's name is Autens, A-U-T-E-N-S. Um, or myself on Facebook or LinkedIn. We do share a lot on LinkedIn too. We also have a website. It also has an English version, but I'm not too proud of our website because it's like we, we're always too busy to update it. So it's from 2012 or something. So it really doesn't like reflect all the newest projects, but uh, but still it gives you an idea. So sure. there's also a, a website okay. called dk. So yeah. Awesome. And we'll get all those links into the show notes for those listening um, and on the show as well as links to the book and everything else. And so this has been phenomenal. I I can't thank you enough for uh, chatting with me today. And I can't wait to hear the questions, the ideas and and, and the inspiration that that, that comes from this. And Aaron, thank you so much for inviting me to join you here. I I so enjoy our conversations. And every time you reach out, it's just, well, I'm really always looking forward to it. Yes. Thank you so much for including me in this. Yes, and, it's been a, it's been wonderful. Yes, and, and I, I appreciate all that you do, and constantly nudging people to rethink learning spaces and learning, not just the space itself. And I think um, the work that you're doing is, is really really powerful. And I think more people are trying to think how that works and, and how to make that happen. And, and it just takes you know visionaries like you, yourself, and, and I know there's many others out there trying to do the same kind of work. You you work collaboratively, and I think you know. Um, the time's coming. People are seeing the need for it. And so um, it starts with, with people like you be, being the uh, catalyst for change. So thank you for what you do as well. <laughs> and you too, Aaron. <laughs> thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. 